welcome or welcome back to Marked Out for Fruitfulness. And this is talk number 10. And tonight, as we pick up a story in Mark chapter four, we really come to one of my very, very favorite parts of the New Testament. It's one of the stories that Jesus tells. And it's very well known. And it's known to us most often as the parable of the sower. And the reason I love this story is because it answers some of the questions that I find most pressing. Questions like, why is the kingdom of God taking so long to come? And questions like, what can we do to increase our fruitfulness as we follow Christ? And what are the main things that hold us up? Now, I think the key to understanding this parable is to realize that it's all about listening. It's all about our ability or lack of ability to hear God's voice. And I want to begin this uh, talk with a little story. It is a true story, and it just makes me smile. It, it's one of the times that I had a hearing test. And this happened actually not to me, but my twin brother. And it was when we were beginning at a new school. And the rather ancient and very rotund doctor, who was in the last couple of months of full-time work before he retired, he had been a naval officer prior to this job. And he was just putting the new boys through their paces, having a, a very brief kind of medical. And he wanted to test my brother's hearing. So he said to him, well, Charkham, because they were delightfully formal in those days. Well, Charkham, I want you to go and stand in the corner over there. Yes, that's right. Now turn around and face the corner. And when I say a word, I want you to repeat it back to me. Ready? And my brother indicated he was ready. And the doctor shouted across the room, ambulance. And my brother said, ambulance. And the doctor said, what's that you said? And I think sometimes when God's trying to get through to us, uh, we respond rather like that. But if we could learn to listen to God's voice, if we could hear his voice, that would be the most wonderful voice we'd ever hear in the world. Let me begin then to read from Mark chapter four. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And I'm going to pause there just to say a little bit by way of introduction about parables. What is a parable and why did Jesus speak in parables? Well, the word parable can also be translated riddle or story. And they're a form of teaching that suited Jesus exceptionally well for a number of reasons. First of all, they are very memorable stories. Stories are like windows in a building, aren't they? They let the light in. They stick in the mind. And in a culture in which the written word was not common, parables were especially effective. They were memorable. Secondly, they held 
a mirror up to everyday life. I remember uh, many years ago having a teacher. He was absolutely fascinating, not because of what he taught, but because he'd been a Spitfire pilot during the Battle of Britain. What was less fascinating was his teaching. He was hopeless and he knew he was. And from time to time in desperation, floundering as he was thinking, he would turn to us, his pupils and say, I trust I make myself obscure, which he nearly always did. A, a really good communicator, a really good teacher is someone who does the opposite, someone who can communicate complex things clearly and simply. And in choosing homely pictures like sowing seed, Jesus is communicating effectively. Thirdly, we will discover that very often, most often, the parables pack a punch. There's a meaning to them. There's often a moral to them, sometimes multiple meanings. And fourthly, and this is quite interesting, I think, parables have a certain mystique. They're slightly like a mosaic, if you like, in which some of the pieces are missing and you have to make up the picture. Or maybe they're even more like those really annoying 3D pictures that you sometimes get presented with. And you can stare at them for hours until eventually you get to see what's in them. Although sometimes they just jump out at you just like that. Now remember that at the time that Jesus is talking, very often he was talking to a mixed audience. Yes, some of them were wannabe aspiring followers, but many of those listening were coming to attack him. We know that the Romans, that we, they were uh, hostile to what was going on. We know that the Jewish people were under occupation. We know that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were very threatened and willfully turn up to oppose. And so the parables turn out to be a very helpful medium because in some ways uh, they hide the message or they conceal it. I've got an illustration of what I, I mean here. Uh, there was a French classical composer called Francois Poulenc and uh, he was living in France when it fell under German occupation. And in 1941, he wrote a very serious one-act ballet, and it was performed in the Opera House, which was attended every night by both the Germans and the French. And Poulenc very, very cunningly slipped in a musical reference, which was immediately recognized and recognizable to the French, but was unknown to the Germans. And the musical reference was from a popular song written in 1871, a French nationalistic song, and it was all about Alsace-Lorraine, and the chorus of the song, which the French would have known but the Germans wouldn't, was, you'll never have Alsace-Lorraine, which immediately, as you can tell, heartened the listeners uh, because it communicated resistance. And I think that's what Jesus talks about in the middle of his parable, when we get to verse 11 and 12. In a minute, I'm just going to read the parable. He, he told them, the listeners, a secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may ever be seeing but never perceiving, ever be hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So let me read 
the parable. And then just to reassure you, I'm going to split what I have to say about it over two sessions. So uh, tonight's will not be overly long. Here we go. This is Mark chapter four. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they didn't bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but not perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer says the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of a word, they fall quickly away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. Well, it's not difficult for us to understand this story, thanks to the disciples finding it impossible. In verse 10, Jesus says, don't you understand this parable? Well, how are you going to understand any parable? So let's spend some time reviewing just the action of the story very briefly. Do notice that it begins and ends with a challenge to listen. Verse 3, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And at the end, he who has ears to hear, let him hear giving us a clue that it's all about listening. And this seed falls, the seed which we're told, the farmer is sowing the word. This seed falls in six different places, the path, on rocks, on thorns, and then possibly three different fruitful soils where it bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. 
Now, it's exceptionally important, as I've hinted already, that we get to grips with what increases our hearing ability and what is nobbling our ability to listen. Because we know life proceeds from hearing every word of the Lord. So, verse 14 is an interpretive key. The farmer goes out to sow the word. And let's see, let's just look at the first two kinds of soils. And we'll discover, won't we, there are four categories of hearers. And the first category, the first group, is what could be described as the stone death. Verse 15, they were robbed. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And what's going on here is the word is completely failing to penetrate at all. Because the devil comes and takes away the word and they never get to believe. They just don't get it. I remember a friend of mine um, saying to me, he was a regular churchgoer, as a matter of fact, that he was invited to read the lesson. And he said, Rupert, it could just as well be written in code. He couldn't understand it. It glances off like water off a duck's back. It's interesting, I think, that it's been pointed out that it's quite possible to spend different times of our life in each of these soils. And I can look back and spend, having spent a lot of time I think I've referenced it before, um, attending a school chapel and um, hearing the word of God read so often. And it just glanced off. It, it, it just made no impact, whatever. The Bible was a closed book at that time. And I think something to notice, though we don't like to notice, is some people are actually content uh, when they're living in such a place. And of course, from our point of view as believers, this is tragic and it, it's um, something that pains us a lot. But not everybody actually wants to encounter God and not everybody wants to make the effort to read the scriptures. And you can tell that when occasionally you'll have a conversation and they say something like, well, the Bible's full of contradictions, at which point you know they haven't read it. You ask them, well, tell me about them. Or if they're a bit more honest and they say, no, it's just far too difficult. Forgetting, I think, that this book, the scriptures, will yield treasure to all who seek God with an open heart, regardless of education, academic ability, nationality, income. Wanting to meet God, but refusing to read God's word is like saying you want to get to know someone but you refuse to listen to their voice. It's not going to happen. And what can we do for such people? Well, I'm not sure. We can pray them into a better place. That we can certainly do. We can ask God to break down their defenses. We can ask God to bring alongside them someone who they will find credible and who is a Christian. But I think the thing you wouldn't win by doing is to argue. At, at this stage, if someone's in this soil, it, it might be like casting your pearls before swine, I'm afraid. So let's move on to the second group. And they, I would describe as the grown 
death, as in G-R-O-W-N. Let's look, verse 16 and 17. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, I find this incredibly interesting because what you can spot here is Jesus says the reason they fall away, it's not because of the trouble or the persecution they're in. It's because they have no roots down when that trouble or persecution comes. We expect persecution, we expect trouble. But if you have a depth of understanding, if you have proper roots down, you can stay standing. And it's such an acute observation that Jesus is making here, because it seems to me, we know from the, the way the story is set up at the beginning of a chapter, Jesus is crowded around by lots of people and, and he's looking at this huge number of people and he's, and he's saying, not all of you are gonna make it. And not all of you are, get, are going to bear the most fruit you can. And if you don't put your roots down, you, you will be uprooted, you will fall. And it's the shallowness of understanding that is their undoing. And I notice in verse 17 that he says persecution comes specifically because of the word. And this is true, my friends, this is true. As we read the word of God, we find that it herds us, it leads us, it directs us down a very very narrow path. Jesus says as much. There are far many more people going in the opposite direction. When you read God's word and you start to be obedient to it, uh, it, it is challenging. And people won't like the direction of your travel. And you might, and I might find it a struggle many times. Because what we find in God's words it's, is particular teaching of Jesus Christ. There are some very obvious areas of contention. The whole realm of personal relationships, sex before marriage, sex outside marriage, marrying unbelievers, the whole realm of salvation, that scripture teaches us that salvation is found nowhere else and in no one else apart from Jesus Christ. If you obey those kind of teachings and if you espouse them, you're bound to meet opposition and testing, and it's gonna be difficult. So we need roots down. And a little bit more on this. If we fail to put roots down and we fail to hear God's voice, it's a very difficult path that we're on because what happens is it gets progressively more difficult to hear God's voice through his word and we feel distance from God. And the, that isn't the way to grow in faithfulness or fruitfulness. Well, I'm gonna press pause now, and we're stopping halfway through this parable, I know, but I have two questions for us uh, to consider together tonight. Here's the first one. What tips can we offer one another that will help us to hear God's voice better? And second, during lockdown, we all need uh, deep roots. If someone said to you, I can't believe in God with so much suffering going on, what might you say to them to help them? 